0: Hello, this is Matt, Kosey, Mark, Mark Yon, James, James, Mel, Zach, this is David. This is
1: PSG Token.
0: Le seul podcast sur le PSG en anglais.
2: Welcome to the latest episode of PSG Talk. I'm Tyrone Taylor, and today I'll be joined by fellow PSG Talk contributors, James Carter, John Olangi, Eduardo Razzo, as we review this week's Champions League match against Bruges, as well as talk about the upcoming draw on Monday morning and some other team news. But, you know, as always, before we jump in, fellas, how's everyone doing? I guess since it's our first time recording with, uh, with Eddie, Eddie, talk to us, man. How you doing?
0: Good, man. Just uh, putting stuff up on the website every day, so um, good to do some like audio content where I don't have to write or you know uh, put stuff together, put articles together. So it's good to do some some audio content for sure.
2: And for anyone you know that doesn't know, Eddie is one of our our writers directly on the website. So make sure you go and support his articles. Um, they always come out on the PSG Talk Twitter handle, or if you do visit the PSG Talk website, you can go and support his work there as well. And also, Eddie, you, you also write for um, a major network as well, don't you?
0: Yeah, um, I work part-time at uh, NBC Sports Washington, so like any DC-like PSG fan that, you know, follows all the Washington teams there, like usually doing all the app stuff. Uh, some blogs, some some video stuff. So, like, I worked all the on the digital side for awesome. for the NBC uh, Washington website.
2: That's what's up. Yeah, make sure you go follow Eddie. Support his work. Always appreciate. It. We gotta gotta take care of our our contributors, man. James, my guy. Talk to me, man. How's bro, everything out in the bay?
3: Bro, we outside, man. Well, we inside right now. It's a little chilly out, but just enjoying this beautiful sunset. It feels like the Sun is setting on Pochettino right now, but uh, overall, man, we're doing really good. Glad to be here.
0: Love to
2: hear it. Talk to me, Jay. How's everything on uh, in North Carolina, man?
1: Oh, can't call it, man. Good to be here. Good to be here. Uh, weekend's coming up, so I'm looking forward to that. But yeah, man, I'm ready to talk some footy. Let's get into it. We got some uh, some spicy topics today. I'm already knowing.
2: It's the only way to be. Well, there's only one place to start, you know, this episode for the, for the most part will be, you know, based around this week's champions league roundup and where PSG ended up as well as, you know, as we all prepare anxiously, I'm sure for Monday's draw, but PSG ended the group stage second place, Man City did top the group, but we did, you know, walk away with a four, one victory over Bruges, you know, in the final, uh, final game of the group stage. So, you know, just want to go around. I guess we'll start with Eddie. Just what were your takeaways, man, from the game? And just your overall takeaways from the group
0: stage, you know, and what you saw from PSG as a whole? Um, overall, like, group stage play, a um, mixed bag of emotions. There was times where we saw, like, what this attack can be, especially with Messi, Neymar, and Mbappe. You, you got some flashes, especially in that first matchup against, uh, against City. But I think it just it, – overall it left me wanting more there was instances where it's like for example the game against Leipzig where they they had the game won and then you had Kampembe give up a blunder uh for a PK so it it, you know we got the best of both not the best uh, you know lack of a better word but we got the best of both worlds where it's like okay this is what it could look like and then the other side where it's like man Facistino doesn't look like he's the right guy for the for the job um and then against Bruges uh, I'm happy that they took the game serious I mean they didn't they had their, you know, they, they locked up a second uh, spot in Group A, but they took the game seriously. They, they scored, you know, Mbappe already had a brace less than 10 minutes into the match. Uh, and then you had the the Leo, the Leo Messi uh, brace. So it was good to see them, you know, they, they had some m- matches coming into the into the game where it's like they didn't look convincing. We saw the, the, the draws against Nice and Lenz, you know, they didn't look that good. So it was good to see them take the game seriously. Uh, against Bruce so you know overall it's, it's just a bag of mixed emotions.
1: Yeah uh, so I mean my take on 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 the match against Bruce is kind of interesting because if we would have beat Bruce and in, in the first first time we played him we will probably top the group. Uh, I think that that draw is what um, you know hindsight is twenty twenty. but I think if we would have took care of our business there we wouldn't have been finishing second in this group but overall like they they won the match they did what they were supposed to do but I still saw a little bit of what we've been seeing all season sprinkled into that match where you know it's it's still try to get messy on the ball and try to get Mbappe on the ball but it's the difficulty to do that that one thing right like it's like it's easy to say you know get them get those guys the ball but the trouble that we've been having is actually Transitioning from the defense through the midfield and actually getting them the ball, but uh, this this match there was a little bit more fluidity that I liked, and it was like, you know, this is this is what we would like to see against the city, against the Leipzig, you know, Club Bruges has the worst defensive, you know, uh, record in this group stage, um, in in the entire competition, so it's not really saying much to put four on them. Uh, but then again we did draw one one early in the competition. But but overall, man, I think, you know, we we we, we handled our business. Um it was cool to see Mbappe let, let Messi take that penalty and you know, where he could have got his hat trick and he let he let Messi get that get that uh that penalty. So and he, he took it like a champion like he always does. But, you know, my overall feeling is <laughs> this is where we are and when we when we uh, get further into the episode, we talk about our potential uh, matchups in the round of 16. That's that's where it really matters the most. If we would have took care of our business when we played Bruges and when we tied against Leipzig, we wouldn't be in this predicament. But here we are.
3: You know, it's interesting. Well, I, you know, I definitely agree with what John said. But I hate these kind of matches because if you win, it's business as usual. Uh, But if you lose, then it is an indictment on the club as a whole. You know, you're supposed to win against Bruges and do it in convincing fashion. But if you don't, then it raises all the flags and pundits come out of the woodworks. They look in their shops and what have you. Uh, Overall, I think the match was good. We did concede a goal, which was interesting. I do think that we can get up in games at times and then to take our foot off the gas a little bit and not play that clinical wire to wire 90 minutes like we should. Obviously, it was good to see Messi uh, in form. I think Di Maria had a phenomenal play on the ball that allowed Mbappe to score a really nice goal. And I, you, that's the stuff that you like to see. I know in the past we've discussed it, it's not just winning, but it's how you win and playing a very attractive style of football. And yes, yesterday, uh, during that match, we saw that attractive style of football come come to fruition. But again, it was against Club Bruges. so you kind of have to take that with a grain of salt. These are the matches that we're supposed to win, uh, and it will be interesting moving forward to see what we do uh, with the match coming up versus Monaco. How the the play that we uh, you know showed uh, against Club Bruges, how that play transitions over into league play, where we definitely need to win this game. I think Monaco's like seventh in the league or something like that. Uh, so we definitely need to win this game. We've struggled with the top five teams in league, 1. And so this is a match that we definitely need to win coming with Monaco. But as I said, good effort with Club Rouge. Great to see Messi scoring. Great to see uh, Mbappe getting close to a hat trick. But I, I will say that one thing about Mbappe that I'm noticing is that his vision for finding the right play or finding the right pass has definitely improved to where man you can almost mark it as a goal sometimes like his vision is sick and I don't think that's discussed enough because everyone's always talking about his attacking prowess and his pace and all of that but his vision he's looking like he's doing some no-look passes out there sometimes it's really something to see and uh I'm going to give credit where credit is due. If I'm going to be hard on you when you're messing up, I'm going to give you credit when you're, you're, you're showing up and doing the right thing. So kudos to Mbappe for sure.
2: Definitely agree. I'm glad that you're not bringing Mbappe to the to the podium this week, you know, but listen, there's always next week, right? There's always next week. Uh, the podium does not discriminate for James. And we definitely appreciate that here at PSG talk, but I agree with everything you guys said. Listen, for me, it's, it's what I expect, right? It's like when you're a parent, and you get sometimes good grades, or you do something at work, and yeah, you know you killed it, or you know you did a great job, but certain people, your boss, or your parents are looking at you and being like, but this is what's expected of you, right? So for me, happy to see it. It was a breath of fresh air, but at the same time, I'm not like standing up, you know, clapping, standing ovation, talking about, you know, PSG is back. I think people forget that you know, Club Bruges, I think it was John that mentioned this to to me in the chat, you know, Club Bruges has the worst defensive record in, in all of um, the Champions League. So whether Neymar's there or not, whether, you know, even if Messi didn't play, someone like Mbappe, Di Maria, you know, the two of them should be tearing up a team like Bruges, you know. So listen, it was a great way to end the group stage. Glad that we were able to have a game where, you know, we were able to truly dominate um, but again, we weren't able to see that out. And like James said, it's it's one of those things where we seem to dominate for spurts. And I think this happened against Leipzig or another team in the in the group stage where we dominated for 30 minutes, 45 minutes. Maybe it was one of those Man City matches. And then after halftime, we come out and it's just like the energy's gone. It's just like we're like, all right, we don't really got to play anymore. This game's done and dusted. So you know, defense gets leaky. We're getting chopped up again in the midfield. And again, not a clean sheet. I would have loved to leave that game with a clean sheet, you know, 4-0 or whatever, you know, it may have been. But listen, man, again, it's what I expected. Um, Not going to get too high, not going to get too low on the performance. The one concern I have, and we'll touch on this a little more is, you know, there's been a lot of conversation about, you know, potch and where things stand. I think after the last three years of watching Man United for so long, it's like that, that uh the Ali effect, right? Like is this result, you know, enough to you know keep potch or does the hierarchy you know still have questions or were those questions relieved? Um, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And another question I have, and you know, you guys can chime in if you want, um, or just something to think about is okay, Neymar's not here. We've seen it a couple times that Mbappe, Messi play well when Neymar's not there, right? Neymar has the um the effect of holding onto the ball too much, kind of like you know the same criticism if you watch American sports, right? With Mello, like the ball stopper, hanging onto the ball too long, kind of drawing people in. If they do go on a run, right, and we start to see vast improvements where Messi and Mbappe, Di Maria, who I think you know doesn't hold the ball up, he also tracks back a little bit more than than Neymar does. Then you run into a situation where, when Neymar is healthy do you just throw him back in the lineup right away? Or do you have a coach who, you know, is pots that guy or whether it's someone else that's going to say, Hey, we're not going to throw you back in. Like, this is working. Like as a fan base, what would you want? Right? Like, do you bring Namor in as a super sub? Do you throw off all the chemistry that you built the last six to eight weeks and all the progress and throw him back in? And then if he does come back and it's not looking great or we kind of, you know, go back to where we were and regress, do you then take him out? That's just one of the things I've been wondering because De Maria has been waiting for this opportunity, right? He's the one that's really kind of been asked out in a sense when, when Messi came. Um, so it's like, okay, if he does put the ball out, he is tracking back. He is, you know, providing the sick assist, like he did the ball over the top for Mbappe's second goal, which was chef's kiss. Honestly, it was, it was, you know, a thing with beauty and he's doing this week in and week out and we're seeing, okay, wow. The, you know, the three of them are really gelling, what do we, what do we do there? So uh, if you guys do have anything, you know, on that, feel free to, to jump in. If, if not, um, you know, I'll end it on that. So not, t- not too high, not too low. happy with what mm. I saw, but I'm not, a uh, am not blown away by any means. And I'm not, you know, thinking that what's ailed us all season so far has, has been resolved by any means.
3: Yeah. That's a spooky subject right there because we've had conversations in the past about, Neymar and his kind of absence when he is on the pitch and some of his decision-making. So it was very interesting to see how fluid the play was, especially on the attack. When De Maria was in, I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying that's interesting.
0: Yeah, I think,
1: yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. I, I can't, I, I get what y'all are saying. And this is what happens a lot when when I watch some of these like major networks on CBS or ESPN after a match when Neymar gets injured because he always gets injured and then we see PSG play a more quote unquote fluid match but we got to have some nuance here and in, in context it's just like all right first of all we already said that we were playing Bruges who are not great defensively and they allowed us to dominate the match and then number two it's just not gonna happen because of the, the investment that Neymar is at PSG right? Like he is the guy. So in, in no world is, is, is Potts. Number one, Potts is not going to have the balls to do that. Number one, because we already know what the hierarchy situation at, at PSG is and how toxic, toxic it is where people have already came out and said that, you know, if a player has a problem, they, they skip the coach and they skip the, 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 director, they go straight to Nasser. So that the, it sounds good in theory, but, it, realistically, it's not going to happen. So I wouldn't, me personally, I don't really think on it that much because I just know that Neymar is going to start when he gets back and he's fully healthy and there's nothing else you can do. So I turn that to, to Potch as the manager. Instead of trying to force your system on the players you have, use the players you have and try to build a system with what you have. That's, that's your job as a manager is to use the tools that are in your shed and do a, do do something with it uh, as best as you can. And that's that's been the problem. He hasn't been able to to get these world-class players to play a, a fluid match. So let's not now say that, oh, because Neymar wasn't in the game and we played a more fluid match, this is possibly how we should play. No, it's up to Pox to get them boys right when they are healthy, when they're all there, and fix it then. Let's not wait until someone's injured and try to do something. So that's 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 my take on it. I don't think it would happen. In theory it sounds ideal because of what you're seeing and there might be some recency bias there honestly, but no, they they not they're not going to do
2: that. No, no, and let me let me be clear on this. First of all, Neymar's my guy. I am I am a Neymar fan to the fullest. He's one of my favorite players has been for a long time. This is this is really not about Neymar specifically. This is more so about, you know, what we talked about last time in the group chat, and it's been a conversation for a lot of fans is you just have three players who don't track back, right? You have three players who, who don't give you enough on both sides of the ball for them to work. And Di Maria has shown that he is someone that will track back and will, will do, you know, some of the, the dirty work on the wings. Um, Yeah. This is not a, this is not a agenda against Ney in in any, in any sense, right? When, When Ney's on, and he's balling there are very few if any that are at that level you know and the other two may be on our team already right so this really isn't about um name the sense of you know he's better or is de maria better it's more so just okay if it is working with us and knowing that you know there's that the team is so unbalanced when those three are on it again i think you're right i think there's too much money involved for us to actually sit him i just wonder you know, if Poch isn't here and someone else is, or the fan base sees it, you know, and Nay comes back and doesn't do well, will the fan base call and say, you know, we can't go back to this? Like someone has to sit, someone has to be a super sub or or something like that. So just want to clear that up. I don't want anyone coming at me and being like, Oh, Ty said that you know De Maria is better than than Nay, ne, Nay's trash, he's the problem. No, this is not about that at, at all this is strictly about just the balance of the team and 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 we'll see right because we still may be shit over the next couple of weeks and it may be like hey like we, we do need day um but that was just my thought process there It was just food for thought
3: hey man we can't have uh Neymar coming off the bench like Divock Origi even though Oriki is one of the best super subs I've ever seen in my whole life but nah, nah Neymar, never cool Neymar gotta I'm build
1: right. a statue for that man though put
3: the yeah, statue
2: sure. in the front of the stadium for <laughs> shout out to that man let's get back to PSG I'm yeah. Eddie what do you, you got man do you got anything on on the just the balance of the team and you know if things do progress well for, for the yeah. squad
0: uh I mean I, I I want a larger sample size before I go into that I mean I mean we see when like you said when Neymar's on top we, we saw it against the uh, Bayern Munich in that first leg where it's like man you know, he pretty much had a hand in, in in all the the goals scored, and we've seen what what Neymar can do, even in, in a in the knockout stage. It's just it, it's to me, it's like I'd rather have that than 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 Di Maria, I mean, even though Di Maria too has had his his history of saving PSG. I remember the Napoli game. So it's a, I mean, it's a good problem to have. Not a lot of clubs could say this, like, oh man, who, who do we have? Uh, but if you were to twist my arm today, I'd still have Neymar in there. Just even the politics aside too, I think I just. I just rather roll with with what Neymar can do uh, on his best day.
2: No, I respect it. I respect it. And I agree. Right. We need more of a sample size. Um, Just listen, maybe not foreshadowing, but but we'll see. So as we all get ready, you know, I don't know about you guys historically, I usually wake up on Monday, but um, I will be up on Monday morning, relatively nervous when I hear, you know what I mean? And they, they over there, they talking about, hey, and buddy, buddy who explains the rules every year. Like I haven't sat here every year, and I, I know that these things have to go in this bucket. And it's like, <laughs> it, it just takes too long, right? I, I just want them to move to a process where it's, listen, we're gonna put the 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 plastic balls in the the glass, you know, buckets, the glass bowls. We're gonna spin them around. I don't want to look at the awards or look at any of the other stuff. But um, who knows, maybe we'll do a, a live reaction, or at least, you know, whoever's up, you know, I know that'll be tough for the guys on the West Coast, but, um, you know, I'll probably be up, maybe record something that morning, but let's get to it, man. You know, as it currently stands, um, you know, PSG did finish second in the group, which means that the, you know, potential round of 16 opponents are Liverpool, Ajax, Real Madrid, Manchester United, Juventus, or FC Bayern Munich. So, you know, Eddie, back to you man. What is your best case scenario or who ideally would you like to play and who is your your worst case scenario?
0: I think I can speak for all for all of us here. The best case scenarios Juventus like they're not very convincing. I I mean, I, I saw I caught glimpses of their other of game uh, the other day and it's just yeah, and I, I, they're not as convincing, so that would be the ideal draw. Uh, and then the worst-case scenario would be Liverpool. Liverpool is just a machine. They went through a group that had Porto, Milan, and Atletico, and they just did work. They they didn't lose all 18 points, and it's just like, if I can avoid Liverpool this early in the knockout stage, that's that's, that's the worst-case scenario for me. I do not want anything to do with Liverpool at the moment. So. I think
2: you may be right. I think you, James got his hand over his eye right now. He don't even want to, he don't even want to tell us, talk to me, James, man. Give me your, give me (laughs) your, your best case. And then tell me the nightmares you've been having about, you know, how, what could go down on Monday for you guys. It's a little bit different, right? Cause you guys on the West coast, you literally wake up and the minute you pick up your phone, you know, crust still in your eyes. You haven't even brushed your teeth yet. You look at your phone and you can, you can already see, and that could ruin your, your Monday potentially could be ruined. You you don't even have time to prepare.
3: No, I'm going to meditate, you know, go to the gym, work out, pray, and then I'll look at my phone. But I'm not excited about any of these matchups at all. I think <laughs> one thing that as a PSG fan you must realize is that there are two things that factor into the round of 16. It is the team that's on form and it is the team that you match up with. Right And for us, I, to everyone's point here, would much rather face Juventus. Shout out to Moise King, Come on home, brother. Come on home. But I would much rather match up with them. And then I'm not going to mention the team that I don't want to match up with. Y'all know who it is. Robin Lewandowski is on that team. He's pissed. (laughs) He's pissed at Messi. He's pissed at us. He's coming for his smoke. And for whatever reason, because the UEFA gods, they don't like us, you know what matchup we're going to get. It's either them or it's going to be United. Now, we can say, oh, well, we might have a fair shot with United. How can I have a fair shot if you have the goal-scoring machine, Mr. Champions League, Cristiano Ronaldo? You can be playing great all match, and he will come in at the 90th minute and kill you. We cannot afford that, and for whatever reason, United seems to be that group, particularly in the round of 16, that we seem to have this weird connection with. I don't know what kind of energies or spirits are around when we play this team, but for whatever reason, this team really gets under our skin and we have a malfunction of sorts. And I really do not want to have a malfunction with Cristiano Ronaldo on the other side of the pitch. Please no. And I definitely don't want to have a malfunction with RL9 pissed off because he didn't get the Ballon d'Or, which he probably should have, you know, been awarded. I don't want him taking that out on us. Let's just push that down the line, push that down the lane. We don't have to play them anytime soon. Obviously, Liverpool is a phenomenal team right now. I just watched their... Champions League match the other day and they had a bunch of subs and they might have like a 12-year-old that they pulled out of the stands and put a jersey on them and he went out there and scored some goals. Like, <laughs> I don't understand this team as a as a as as an institution. I'm confused how they just seem to pull all this like young talent out of nowhere. They have depth. They have superstars. Mo Salah is back. Welcome back, Mo Salah. I'm not really interested in playing that team either. Real Madrid is a sleeper. They're at the top of La Liga right now. Please do not think they won't come in and disrespect us and look over at Mbappe and say, hey, you could come over here. You could come over here and get with us. We're doing a lot of big things. We just took out your team. It's a a group of death, really. There's no good option there outside of Juventus, and I don't want to sleep on Juventus because any round of 16, somebody can get the best of us. It only takes a few injuries here. A few cards here, a few slip-ups, you know. We Kim Pembe's doing okay, but he could not in the round of 16. And then we're back here putting them on the podium. So Juventus is my pick. It's probably not gonna be them. It'll probably be United because who doesn't want to see Messi and Ronaldo? And as we know, you know, the the drawing is very fair, very balanced, you know, there's no cheating of any sort in that. But of course it'll be Juventus. I mean, excuse me. Of course it'll be United. It'll be United for sure. But I would like Juventus.
2: What about you, John? Man? Talk to me. <laughs> nah,
1: man. I, I'm just gonna come out the gate and say this. Like, if we draw Liverpool or Bayern, man, we getting mopped up, bro. Like, I'm 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 just gonna be completely honest. Like, I know p- some PSG fans don't wanna hear this. And you know, we gotta be objective. We gotta keep it a buck here, man. Like, like like everybody has mentioned like Liverpool is just playing on a different level right now. Like James said, they mopped up the team that is currently leading top of the top of the league in the Serie A and AC Milan made them look like children as they had children on the pitch (laughs) for themselves. It is. It's like these are not the matchups we want right now and obviously buying our machine. So ideally I would like, you know, on, on paper, I would say it looks like, you know, you would want Ajax or Juve, but Ajax ain't no sleeper either. They they're playing on a different level right now. This this kid that they have is like leading, like he he's like scoring at in every match um in the in the Champions League and they, you know, just Ajax have that structural just that a history of, of, of getting results and, and, and doing stuff that's not expected of them because it's just a whole bunch of kids on their roster. And uh, so, yeah, and I think I think we'll draw Man United, to be quite honest, just because of what James just kind of said, just the politics of of them wanting to put Messi and Ronaldo, you know, against each other, where you'll potentially lose one of the quote-unquote big dogs early in the competition. And I personally like that draw because, it's it's a tough it's a tough enough opponent, but I'm not like fearful <laughs> like you know it, it's not it's not as scary as as the daunting you know daunting task of, of playing the Liverpool of Bayern where you know it's still a tough enough opponent, but it's not you know panic stations I, I would say so I, I I think we're gonna draw Man United to be quite honest, but I, ideally I would like us to get UVA because I think out of this. This group, the potential group we can play, I think they're the weakest and and, and not really in the best form at this moment. So yeah, I, I think I think we're gonna get that Man United matchup, and we know the trauma and the the demons that comes with that matchup. So hey, man, do we this is our bed, man. We gotta line that thing.
2: Yeah, I I think we're all kind of in the in the same the same space for the most part, you know. In a perfect world, I actually have a couple of thoughts on this. So, Juventus is for me the the logical option on paper. You know, when I when I look at it, but you know, going back through this, I'm looking at IX's group, right? And first of all, respect to IX, six games, six wins, twenty goals scored, only five conceded. You know, goal differential fifteen. But then I'm looking at the group, right? sporting Dortmund who played horrible and I think even I think Holland missed the first game right right he was injured um yeah he did. and I don't even know if he played the second game or he didn't you know so then you're playing a Dortmund without Sancho without Holland then you have Basictus, uh who you know they only scored three. They led in 19. Dortmund scored 10, led in 11. Sporting scored 14, but led in 12. So it's a very simple group, right? I'd be interested to see, you know, if those results are the same, if a Real or an Inter or a Liverpool or us or City, you know, or even a Barcelona, not, not Barcelona, and boy's Trash, uh, or a Man United or someone else was in that group, right? So I know on paper, just looking at the way Ajax played, it's it's easy to be like hey, listen, you know, we don't want to play them. I think they, they obviously are a more favorable option than a lot of other teams, but as I spend more time just looking at the group, I'm kind of wondering would I walk away happy if we draw or drew IX on Monday and I think I would. I'd be happy with IX. I'd be happy with Juventus. Man United's interesting. Uh, I do think that they in the past have been a bogey team for us, but looking back at that as well, you know, in the group stage, we've only played them once recently in the round of 16, the group stage last year, we beat them at home. They beat us at our home or we beat them in at old Trapford. They beat us at the park. So we split. And then obviously we know what happened in the round of 16. It was the same thing, but that home match was very interesting, right? It was no, no Tiago Silva that day. I don't think no Neymar. We had some injuries, crazy, you know, hiccups and mistakes by, you know, Tilo, as well as, um, to just disaster class goals led in by, by, uh, you know, by Buffon. So as it currently stands, I'd feel comfortable playing United. Um, I don't know if that's going to be the same come February, you know, Ralph is, is respected. He's received a lot of praise. He's already changed things. Um, You know, the first two games under him while yesterday wasn't great or Tuesday, Wednesday, whenever they played, they also played a lot of young kids. It was pretty much a full rotation. Um, And we'll see. Right. Kind of what where they're at. He will probably look to implement like a true pressing system, something that we struggle with. Um, So we'd see out of the other options, I would be happy with them. You know, um, obviously we can't play. Man City, can't play Lille. So, you know, Ajax, Juve, Man United would be my ideal choices. Um, I think people are sleeping on Real Madrid. Um, Ideally, don't want to play them. You know, Ancelotti has them in a good run run of form. Don't want to play Liverpool. Six games, six wins, 17 goals, six against. Um, They're just a team that I just ideally would like to avoid. And, and, And then you have the boogeyman you got the boogeyman, you know, listen, these boys are scary. I don't want to play these guys. Um, Like James said, I'm not even going to say their name out loud. Uh, You know, you have a guy who feels the Ballon d'Or was robbed from him. It's sitting in France right now. It's sitting in Messi's house. He wants to come here and steal it. He wants to commit robbery. You have uh, Thomas Mueller who this guy is just something else. He's, he's funny. I don't know if you've ever seen this guy speak, but he's always telling jokes. He called, uh, he called Robert Lewandowski, Levin Golski the other day. Like, you know, he always seems to pop up in the right moments. They're a relentless team. night, um, 22 goals scored three conceded again. Also they aren't in a great group, right? Like I know no one wants to play them, but You know, Kiev, Benfica, Barcelona, none of these teams scored more than seven goals. Benfica scored seven, Barcelona scored two, and uh, Dynamo Kiev scored one goal. So we're also not looking at Byron, you know, and saying, listen, they played in a super hard group. Um, So that's like the one thing with these group stages is, you know, taking them at times with a a grain of salt. Um, So... Ideally, that's kind of where I stand. I think we're all in the same place, uh, but we'll find out. We'll find out on Monday, and no matter who it is, we we ride. Um, and the same goes for PSG, though, right? Like it's not till February, so things could change a lot in Paris by then, right? Um, form could increase for some. Uh, form could drop for some. You know, Messi could really find a run of form where he's finally clicking. Um, you know, Poch could be here. Maybe Poch isn't here right? So maybe someone else is on the, on the touchline. So we'll see. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, there, there's no like, listen, this is a team I know that we can, we can batter. Um, I don't, based on current form, I don't really see anyone like that, but there are some, you know, some teams that we, we would all rather play than others. So I guess that's a great, you know, segue into the, the pot story. So Eddie, I know, you know, the three of us have spoken, a couple of times, meaning James and John about just where Potch stands. I'd love, you know, in current standing to get an update on everybody. I know we've all had different opinions, starting with Eddie. Now that the group stage is over, we're entering January. There have obviously been some rumblings about PSG, you know, reigniting conversations with Zidane. Um, What would you like to see PSG do? And what do you think happens? You know, are you, on the hey, after the game against Bruges, let's give Poch more time. Let's just see this at the end of the season. Or do you think if PSG is going to make a change, it needs to be made now to give sufficient time before the round of 16?
0: Yeah, I agree with that last point. I think it ha- if, if they're gonna move on from Potch, it has to be this this month. Like at, at least you'll give the new manager all of January to prepare because like we've seen with um, with Barcelona, where they go to Javi and they're asking, hey, save us the Champions League in a span of a couple of weeks and you can't do it, I don't I don't want PSG to be in that situation where they wait too long to, to either sack Pochettino or, or give him the vote of confidence and tell him, hey, you're, you're still our guy. So I, I think it has to be uh, sometime this this month. They have to – I would say they have to come out and publicly say it because you just can't have the rumors keep swirling and swirling. Uh, so to me – I i I'm, I'm conflicted on this matter i i like pochettino but the, then i question some of the decisions he's making whether it's keep putting in danilo um in or out no. Eddie, i'm putting you on the spot man in or out dog. Uh, i i i think he's gonna stay in if i had to like put it put some money on it i think he's gonna stay in um you know leonardo already came out publicly said. Uh, nasser came out and publicly said uh I'm just going to just go with those guys' word. I'm going to trust those guys is what they've said in the, over the last couple of weeks. So uh, I think he's going to stay, uh, even though I have my, my questions about him. Okay. So you think he's going to stay. Do you want him to
2: stay? If you, if you were running this ship right now or you were talking to Leo, are you saying go get Zidane Pach out? Or are you saying let's, let's keep it's, him in
0: and let's just ride, ride this wave? I'm, I'm only going out if, if Zidane's coming like nobody else except outside of Zidane. I don't I don't feel like anybody else is, is gonna come outside of Zidane. so if Zidane's not coming then then you just gotta ride it out with it but if, if Zidane's open to it says yes sign me up let's talk contract then then it's out but if, if it's I'm not going out anybody else but Zidane. like that that's it like I'm not gonna go anybody else outside of that
2: okay I like it uh, John what are you thinking man I think you know obviously the three of us you know have, spoken about this sometimes ad nauseum with, with potch. Uh, I know all of us, you know, and let me make clear, um, whether we are potch in or potch out, that does not mean that we are fans of rotating managers. I do believe that, you know, managers need to be given time, you know, and even through bad results, managers need to be given time to implement their systems. Um, but again, I want to, you know, make sure everyone understands that Potch will now has been here for 12 months. Right. 12 months. This isn't three months, four months, six months. This January will be a full year since he's he's joined the club. Um, You know, I know, John, in, in the past, you've been like, no, nah, we can't switch. We just got to ride this wave. He's got to stay. We got to see where this where this goes. Now that a couple more weeks has passed, the group stage has has ended. We've heard some rumblings. Where do you stand?
1: Yeah, I mean, I got my, my stance on, on it, like I think you you kind of said it there uh, when you prefaced your comments is like I can I can be potch out right now, but my stance is still the idea of firing a manager's mid season every two years is is just a terrible blueprint to go by. And for me, that's why I think like from a sporting from strictly a sporting aspect, PSG is not is a poorly run club like in, from the sporting decisions that they make. Obviously, marketing and all the other stuff they do is incredible. I think in in colleges and in schools, you can teach how to, to, to build a business in the sporting industry, and you can use blue, uh, PSG as that blueprint. But from a sporting aspect, no. But to, to answer the question directly, I think that it would, like, on a macro level, right, PSG are a win now, right? Like, everything they're doing is to win now. So if you want to win now and the thing that you've been trying to win for years and years is the Champions League to salvage that. You gotta let the guy go right now, like Eddie said. You have to do it now to give whoever comes in time to to try to implement something so that they can compete whenever we play, whoever, whether it be Bayern, Liverpool, United or whoever. So so no, cause I, I mean Pop on, on Pasitino himself, if I take away my thoughts on how I feel that the club should should fire a manager or not fire him. I think the best thing he's done so far, if you look at who has he developed, what players have gotten better under him, like those type of things that you have to look at. I think the best thing he's done was manage how (laughs) – the best thing he's done is manage Gigi Donnarumma and Kayla Nava's playing time, to be quite honest with you. Just like having two world-class goalkeepers and like what are you going to do in that moment? And I believe he's actually managed to give them – an adequate amount of time to play in big matches. They both played three Champions League matches. Kaler, I think, got like 10 matches. Gigi got seven. So to be quite honest, like I'm being very truthful, I think that's the best thing that he's done in terms of just managing the team is managing that situation. Outside of that, the club lack, the, the team lacks identity. It lacks a sense of urgency. You look at the best teams in Europe, everybody presses or, Everybody has a, a, a an intensity about them that we don't have, and again, the youth is not being developed. We talk about Xavi Simmons and all these guys not getting any play time that that comes down to to to, to the coach. he has that, that the power to play those guys, but as we said before, you can't do that. You can't experiment when you're failing at trying to get the one thing that the club has been trying to get this whole time so. Yeah, I, I think I think now is the time to part ways. I don't think they'll do it because they came out and said they're kinda like gonna ride out with it, but I think now is the time to get rid of them. If the Champions League is the goal, you wanna give the new manager time to implement their system and to at least try to compete because the way we plan right now, we're not on the level of the big dog. I
2: feel you. I feel you. James is, you know, we started the episode, James was smiling. He was, you Come know, on, it, was, it, it was light in his, his apartment. On, now he's sitting by himself in the dark. Uh, on, James Pachin or Pachotman? Now that we're at the end of the season and now we have a break from the Champions League. And as we look towards February, just based on what you've seen again, you know, that doesn't mean you're anti But man. What do you feel is the right decision for PSG at the moment? All right, we're going to get
3: to it. Go ahead and bring the podium, then. Go ahead and bring it in.
1: Oh, man. Watch
3: my boy.
1: Oh, man, not the boy. podium.
3: <laughs> my boy. I believe we have reached the end of the road. And it's for great reason. If we look at what's going on league-wise, we look at the table, we look at the top five teams in France. DSG is, of course, at the top of the table. But all of the other teams, one through – oh, two through four, let's say, we have either lost to or drawn. That's Marseille. That was a draw. Nil-nil. We lost to Rennes, <laughs> Two-nil. We drew Nice. Nil-nil. And we damn near lost to Lens, uh, yeah, to uh to Lens. If not for an amazing Wijnaldum header at the death, that's not good. That's not great. That's not a level of professionalism. That's not what we're paying all of this money in in sporting, in trainers, in personnel, and in players to see. And it's unfortunate because you kind of get swept up with, you know, we got to win the Champions League, win the Champions League, win the Champions League, and we're at the top of the table. And myself, I myself have been caught up in that as well. Like, oh, well, we're, you know, we're at the top of the league. But who's to say that Monaco doesn't come in and kick our teeth in because we're falling asleep at the wheel, and now we're having a different conversation? Who's to say we don't get matched up? Let's say we get matched up with a Juventus and we're like feeling a little bit confident about it and they kick our teeth in. Then where does that leave us? Now we're talking about Poch out. So I think the personnel top brass at PSG have tried to dispel the rumors of Zidane and the conversations with Zidane and saying like, oh, no, we're not talking to Zidane. We love Poch and all of that. But a rumour can only be a rumour, but for so long. Like this story is just not going away much like Mbappe going to Real Madrid is not going away. There has to be some truth in that. And if that is a viable option on the table for us to go get to the Dean Zidane, then we have to exercise that option sooner than later. I think I uh, read an article where it said uh, against the, there was a match against what team was that? Lens and Poch changed the tactical formation five different times throughout the 90 minutes. So if you, as a manager, don't have any idea on what needs to be done, how can the players respond in kind? This article said something like Marco Verratti plays six different positions around the midfield in one match. What is your tactical point of view as a manager of a sporting team, what is, the, what is the position that you have? And to Ty's point, it's not like you've been here for two months. I think Xavi's going to get a lot of slack given what he's got over at Barcelona. Poch, you don't have the luxury of time. And you knew that before you signed up for this job. This is the toughest job. It's win now or die. And unfortunately, this is your eulogy. We are at your funeral today. My boy, you gotta go. And I'm sorry to see it.
2: Listen, man, while we're here at the podium, you know, while we're up here speaking, Potch, you're fired. And in case your ears are fucked, get the fuck out. And then, <laughs> All right, listen. Um now nah, jokes aside, man. You know, I like Potch. This is the reason that I personally think we need to part ways. This is less about potch and more about the system at PSG and what I believe is best for the current moment. I believe Poch has already come out and said that this isn't or wasn't his ideal project that he's someone that wants to build something over multiple years. Okay. Strike one. Cause that's not where we are, right? This is somewhere where it's when now and you knew it was. So I think if Poch had a you know team like the Spurs, you know, when he first joined where he can have three to five years to develop youth and, you know, bring players along, teach his system, you know, he would be, better suited but unfortunately psg is very unbalanced we went after all these superstars on one end of the pitch paid for two world-class goalies on the other end and decided to leave our midfield barren with scraps outside of one world-class midfielder who's made of glass essentially who can't stand the field and we're either a world-class team with him or we are a league two side without him, essentially, you know what I mean? So this is a team that needs someone who can make the most out of what he has. And also I agree with, you know, Eddie on the, on the point that if it's Zidane, I make a move. If it's not Zidane and you're going to get an interim manager or, you know, I know, you know, Carl, one of our other PSG talk contributors has, you know, brought up the name of Ten Hag. I like Ten Hag again, I feel like he falls into the mold of potch. I feel like it's, if we're willing to blow up this project, let Mbappe walk, let Neymar go, you know, didn't sign Messi, then yes, if we're going to come here, let him implement a system more three or five years, that's fine. And if you bring Ten Hag in and you're still going to do that and phase Neymar and Messi off the books, um, then that's fine, right? But we're hearing that, you know, uh, De Maria is going to potentially, you know, um, exercise his one-year option. Messi has an option. I doubt that he walks away from the amount of money he makes. So he's going to be here. You would assume for another, you know, year Neymar is signed unless they just say, Hey, we're going to make you know, money back and we're going to sell even at a discount and let you leave. I just don't think PSG is that kind of club. I feel like they are still in win now mode. I'm hundred percent on board. If they want to sign Zidane to a two-year contract, for even one year, because I know he wants the France job and let him work with these players right now. And then, you know, at the end of that contract, let him walk, take the France job. Once Neymar's contracts kind of dwindled down, Messi's gone. We want to rebuild and do this a different way. I'm fully on board. But the one thing I think that Zidane has, while he might not be as tactically nuanced as a Tuchel or a Pep, he has shown the ability to work with superstar locker rooms. He has showed the ability to deal with egos. He is someone who has won it all, not only as a player, but as a coach. Um, I've watched his halftime speeches, the way he galvanizes the team. He is someone, you know, who I think can maybe do a slightly better job of working with what he has. Um, and listen again, right. Where there's smoke, there's fire. First from Leo and, and Nasser, there was, Hey, we're not talking to him. There have been no conversations, but now I'm seeing even after Wednesday's game that no, there, there is conversations happening. Those conversations have even since been reignited this week and he's still interested. Right. And we're even seeing talks about potentially, you know, Arsene Wenger coming in and replacing Leonardo. Right. So there, there are, there's definitely some kind of, you know, conversations on the back end. I think we're just getting the backpedaling from media sources because maybe there's nothing in final writing. I would be surprised if we don't see things pick up on that end over the next couple of weeks, because like we all mentioned, right. It's about timing. You don't want to do this when you're a couple of weeks out from the the round of 16 game, there's already a lack of, you know, time for training and, and full teamwork in the season already. You know, if you're going to give yourself two full months, um, I think I think you do it now, and and just hope that you can you can pull something out of it. So, if it's Zidane, I say entertain it. You know, again, this isn't an, an anti-Poch pod. It's it's just strictly about the way Potch fits into this system. You know, in the here and now, with the way the team's constructed, um, who knows, right? It, it's 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 all been about Man United wanting Potch with Ralph there now. You know, he's someone that seems to be very involved. He wants teams to play his way you know, does Poch fit the Man United way? You know, do Man United fans and, and other individuals feel the same about Poch now than they did a couple of weeks ago with him being able to, um, you know, work with the talent he has? It's gotten to the point, I think I told you guys this the other day when we were joking, where Man United fans are on Twitter now hoping for PSG in the draw. Like, we're seen as a weak link in the draw. That's crazy to me. That teams are like... hours. Yeah, man. To the point where, like, teams like Man United and other teams are probably, you know, looking at us and saying, "Oh, you know what? PSG hasn't impressed anybody. They don't play like a team. They don't defend as a team. The three up front don't don't track back. So it's going to be eleven or ten versus you know seven or nine versus seven on the attack. You know, I mean, we don't gotta we just gotta worry about being hit on the counter. But if we stay compact and keep everything in front of us and keep possession you know, we'll be, we'll be in a good space. So that's where I stand. I'm not going to, I'm not going to harp on trying to get Potch out of here. Um, listen, if Potch is here come, come February, then we ride. Right. And, and I, I want the best for Potch, you know, former PSG captain. I think he's a good dude. And I think in the right system, I think he'd thrive. I just think the cards are kind of stacked against him here. And I think he's also let it be known that he's not happy, right? Like he hasn't bought a home yet. His family's still in London reports that he was talking to man united and i think the other piece of the puzzle is you know the players right there's already been rumblings that messi um doesn't feel comfortable he doesn't feel like potch is utilizing the right way one thing i will say is i don't put the messi thing on potch potch didn't come out and ask for messi to be bought he didn't come out and ask you know for that to be part of his team maybe that threw off his plans right by the end of the day you know you're at a club that buys superstar players and the minute that Messi was announced to be in the running, you knew that your team was going to go after him, no matter what you said to Leo or, or Nasser, right. Cause it's, it's a business at the end of the day, it's about, you know, marketing advertisements, sponsorships, all that kind of stuff. So listen, and if, if a team like PSG hub had tweeted, you know um, you know, provided from a bunch of other sources that there are multiple key players in the locker room who aren't convinced by potch. So you already have a team that is not fully convinced, you know, outside of Leonardo's pride because his name is attached to, to Poch, I don't see how he stays. I don't see how, how that happens. Um, you know, the only way I see this happening is if they just can't come to an agreement with Zidane or, you know, all the rumors aren't true and someone like Messi or Neymar and Mbappe goes to the board and says, no, we want him to stay but that's just, that's just not what I'm hearing. Um, so yeah, so, so we'll see, you know, what happens. There'll definitely be some interesting, some interesting times in the next, in the next couple of weeks. Um, all right. Enough on, on Potch and, you know, who we potentially play. I think we can kind of get to, to some team news here and just some of the things, you know, that we've been hearing or that have been said in terms of the transfer market, as we get ready to, enter January. I'm going to read off a couple, you know, key tweets from PSG Hub. And then I guess you guys can kind of give your take. And then we'll also get into, you know, where you think we need to strengthen come January. You know, if we are going to go to the market, um, what we need to focus on or, you know, who we need to get off the books, you know, on a more positive note, Marquinhos looks like he's going to extend quoted as saying that, They're looking for a lifetime, you know, marriage between him and PSG. He wants to be here. They're looking to keep him as a key figure on the books for as long as possible. Di Maria looks like he's going to extend for a year and exercise that one-year option. Sergio Ramos, um, you know, as we we knew, probably wasn't the best idea to play him a full 90 minutes. Um, He hasn't played since. I think we've had three games now pass where he hasn't played. It looks like as of today, he was... um, he still did not take part in the team's collective sessions. He continues his, reco- his recovery work on his own. And um, PSG are open, or at least Genie is open to, you know, a return to the Prem. Um, PSG is, you know, at least open to hearing offers from the Prem um, or from other teams come January. If he really wants to leave, it's still, I'm not too sure on that source that PSG Hub uh you know, gave credit to um, Sky uh, Cave. I know, Eddie, you wrote a piece and you can touch on that um, as well. I think you mentioned that Arsenal is the one team that is... That is yeah,
0: it's Sky Sports. The, the, the source is Sky Sports. Okay,
2: perfect. There we go. Um, and then the last one is PSG is looking to get rid of at least seven players. This is about five days ago. This came out um, at least three this, this winter. So it looks like Rico, Tilo, Diallo... Cardi, Rafinha, Perzawa, and Paredes um, is on the block as it currently stands. I know Paredes has kind of come out and defended himself and basically said he's not going anywhere. So um, again, right, it's, it's a, a team where the players kind of say if they want to leave or don't want to leave. And we, we know that one of Leo's deficiencies is the ability to sell players and get them to leave. So yeah, yeah. Um, Eddie, start with you, man, just, you know, as we enter, you know, January in the coming weeks here, out of some of those things, just, you know, how do you feel about some of the players that we're looking to extend? And if PSG was to make some moves in January, where would you ideally like to see us focus or, you know, some players that you'd like to see us kind of, you know, put in the
0: chopping block? So uh, adding on to the extensions, actually, PSG is oh, uh, the Argentine media outlet, they says, was it they sports? reported that actually PSG is working on an extension with um, and it was also in Leparisian where uh, they're working on an extension with um, Paredes. I don't know how accurate it is, but reportedly they're making, you know, they're, they're beginning talks because this contract expires uh, in 2023. So I I wrote, I'm going to write on that tonight. But I just decided to drop that in there because um, it it was Marquinhos uh, and Di Maria and Paredes who they're reportedly, you know, working on extensions on. And then, as far as the Cardi, he's uh, there's a report that he said he's not going anywhere because um uh, report there were other reports saying that he might want to go to a club that's like less, you know, it's more quiet. Uh but apparently, you know, he's one of the players that wants to stick around. But um uh, aside from that, um, you know, we gotta we gotta improve the midfield. I know it's a, this is a broken record. They gotta improve the midfield. Um we can't rely on Barati anymore. The guy, as much as I I love him, as much as everybody loves him, he's just you can't count on him. He's either injured, he's either suspended. So it's just it's PSG somehow needs to find someone that can that can bring you know what he brings to the table. I know it's going to be hard because January isn't you know you only get a couple of weeks to to work out deals. So but I mean, they got to do it. You got to do. They're in a win now mode. You got to you got to do it. You got to do. Uh, and then I would entertain maybe the center back role because I don't know what's going to happen with Ramos. And I think when Kampembe has some type of competition, you get the best out of him. I know since Ramos played, I think the games after, after that, Compenbe has looked solid. Uh, but before that, Compenbe was really, really sloppy. So I feel maybe like having some type of center back that can, that can provide some type of competition because they gotta, they gotta be honest with themselves and say, Hey, how much are we going to be able to count on Ramos? Because you can just can't have this in and out injury time you gotta you gotta have three 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 solid center backs whether it's someone else maybe Tilo Kara stepped into that role but somebody has to give Kempembe some type of competition to get the best out of him because we saw it you know the last couple of years where, where it was Thiago Silva there and, and he got the best out of Kempembe so it, they feel like if, if nobody else out of there can can get the you know the, the competition juices flowing out of Kempembe they got to address that but for me, first and foremost, it's that midfield. You gotta, you gotta fix it. You gotta stop relying on Barati, uh, and see what you can get out there. I know there's some couple of names. Uh, usually, it's Milan's Frank Cassis out there. There's, there's some other names that have been, have been linked to PSG. So, but there's gonna be a lot of, a lot more other names, uh, come come January. Couple, these next couple of weeks, you're gonna see a lot of them trickle out. But definitely, first and foremost, that midfield. Um, uh, it like like I said, it's been a broken record how many people have said to fix it, but First and foremost, that, that's the position I would uh, target because you know, you're not going to go any, anywhere without a midfield.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you, man. It's interesting you bring up uh, Frank Yannick-Cessier because he's one of the guys who's been on my radar for a couple of years now, actually. Uh, Central midfielder from Milan. He's like the dude is like you just look at this dude's frame. He's he's a beast. He's a machine. But I think what I like about him is his uh, his – he's just a, such a, a dynamic player where he can play in a deep lying midfielder role, or like he can play as an eight. And, um, and I think that, you know, when we talk about Verratti and, and, and his, uh, his fragility, this is, this is very much an important position that PSG need to address. Um, but, and just to, to kind of go back on, on, on Marquinhos uh, getting extended and, I think that's that's a no-brainer. I think when you look at PSG's roster, you look at who's a certified starter, who's you know that that's the guy. He's a captain. I believe he's getting better uh, at his leadership. His leadership, I see him like you know barking at the guys more than I've more than uh, I've seen him in the past. So yeah, Marquinhos is invaluable, man. He's he's one of those players who seems like a nice guy, but like just his his play on the field is immense and. You know, we, we saw how how we played when he wasn't there. I don't think as a, as a, as a collective defensively, we're not the greatest team, but we have he's he shored up some things when when he came back into the lineup there. Um, and also Maria, I think that would be a good idea to, to bring him back if they want to exercise that option. Because, again, we've seen how many times that Maria has come up clutch for us, particularly in the Champions League matches and. And we've we've talked about earlier how he's one of the one of the few forwards that actually does the work in terms of tracking back and having that energy and and doing those things. So, I think um I think that would be a good idea. But um in terms of players to bring in, yeah, I I'm looking at that midfield as well. Just like Eddie, Frank Yannick Kessie is definitely a player that I think we should go get. And I I read somewhere where I think they are talking to his to his team. I'm not sure how true that is, but I would like to see that, but yeah, we definitely got to address that midfield because as we've seen in in all of Europe, the best teams in the world, like if you're, you're nothing with that midfield and if we all always got to rely on, on Marco Verratti, who's not always, you know, healthy, then yeah, we're doomed.
3: And I think everybody said pretty much how I feel to be honest. Uh, you know, tie based on that list that you mentioned of all the players that we're thinking about selling. I agree with that whole list, but uh, kind of hard to sell a bunch of mid. So we'll see what teams come barking up the tree. But we tried it over the summer to offload, and I think we 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 did an okay job with getting rid of some of the guys. But Krazawa is still that roach that still exists, and you you ain't gonna kill him ain't going nowhere. Uh, I don't think Paredes goes anywhere because that's Neymar's guy. And I don't think Akardi goes anywhere because Wanda said so. So you're not going to get rid of them. Even though I would like, if Akardi if were to go, I would like to see us try to make a, a play for bringing back, um, you know, bringing back some, uh, maybe some PSG youth players, you know. Well, they're not youth anymore. I would love to see Diaby come back that wouldn't suck. Um, but in terms of the players that we definitively need some going on with that center back position, uh, I think Marquinhos is solidified. Kudos to PSG for exercising demons. I'll say, uh, because Tiago Silva should still be a PSG player full stop. And, uh, I think one of the ways you make amends with that is solidifying Marquinhos for the long term, especially because he has been showing up uh, and putting in a great performance. Like that's our guy. And it's just unfortunate that Thiago Silva had to go someplace else to get his, but uh, you know, we salute that man regardless. Um, I don't know what's going on with Kimpembe. I think, actually I know, I do know. I think he is a great league on player. But I don't think that he is the kind and caliber of player that's going to win your Champions League. And that's just what it is. Sergio Ramos is just not where he needs to be. And it's OK for us to say that and have him come off the bench from time to time whenever he decides to actually get fully healthy. But I'm not looking for him to do anything you know, spectacular by any means. Uh, Who I'd bring in, of course, I mean, we've been having conversations about this midfield for like five years now. Um, Barati is Mr. Glass, just what it is. And when he is healthy, he's probably going to get on a card. So, you know, it's just we need somebody who's a little bit more disciplined and solid. Um, I like Wilfred Ndidi. He currently plays at um, Leicester City, uh, CDM role. Uh, he's really good on the ball he can actually score which is pretty nice um, but he's pretty thorough and he's almost six feet I think he's like 5'11 so he's he's taller which is definitely what we need in the midfield I think varati's is great but if you just lob balls into the midfield he can't jump up there and go get a ball for you and that's something that teams know and so We just need a player that's going to be solid, that's going to be sturdy. Uh, He's a Nigerian international, really great player. Uh, He's not on our radar at all, I checked, unfortunately. Uh, So, I mean, that would be my pick. Again, I think we need to clear the decks of all of that trash that's currently occupying our bench. I would love to see Shavi Simmons get some playing time, please. Like, this kid is amazing. And he's just not getting the burn that he deserves, um, along with a few of our other uh, talented under-21 quote-unquote superstars. I'll say they're they're future superstars. Um, but we have so much youth talent that can get burned and we just don't do anything with it. And then they end up going to some other team in the French League and become amazing. So hopefully that doesn't happen with xavi I don't know what I would do if that would happen with him. But hopefully he can get some some playing time next season. This is definitely not going to happen this season.
2: Yeah. I think you all hit, you know, the nail on the head for me, it's, it's attacking the midfield. I think that's the only place to really focus on. Um, When you look at, you know, where this team struggles, uh, the way the team is currently constructed and as well as looking at, you know, how we've tried to address the midfield in recent transfer windows Rafinha, Paredes, Gay, Herrera, Danilo. I mean, Herrera has probably overexceeded what we expected. Gay has his moments, and I, I'm even okay to be honest with you, but with Paredes and keeping him. But when I look at other midfields, I don't see any of these options when you pair them with Roddy. And looking at that and saying that's a Champions League winning midfield. When you look at Munich, Goretzka, Kimmich, Müller, um, you know, you look at Liverpool, um, Thiago, um, Hendo, you know, at, at one point they had Genie, um, and just some other. And listen, I, I guess Genie potentially could have been that person, but it just hasn't worked out. Maybe he's starting to find his rhythm. You look at Man City. You know, you got Silva, um, Gundogan. You got, you know, um, De Bruyne. So that is where we need to attack. I don't really know what options are out there. Um, I would love to get the kid from from Monaco. Um, One, I don't know if you know he's on our radar. Surprisingly enough, it's like I never hear PSG connected to enough League on players. I don't know if it's because teams don't bend over for us in France, like they do in Germany. And, you know, we don't just siphon players. Um, It seems like Leonardo only has connections in Syria or, you know, Riola candidates or players, I should say. So that is ideally where we should go. You know, I don't know how you guys feel um, about Pogba. You know, I think some people have soured on him. Maybe it's because of just the injury or, you know, listen, if Man United's willing to part ways, if they truly feel they're not going to re-sign him, you know, and you can get him in January for forty or fifty or maybe even a swap and send someone their way, maybe who knows, right? With the way that Ralph is looking to play, you know, could you do a Pogba for Genie swap deal with some cash, you know, with the pressing system he likes to play, um, or or someone else? So I think midfield has to be. The target, I just don't know. January is a tough window already. It's a tough window to offload players. It's a tough window to get players in. I don't think you're going to get Kessier in January. I think he is interested in PSG. I know PSG are connected to him. Lucky for us, he plays in Italy. Um, so, you know, that's a leg up for us with with Leonardo. I just don't know with Milan being in first place in Serie a, if they'd be willing to lose one of their key, key players, right? Um, right halfway uh, the let, me
0: t- let me... Uh, in terms of Kessier Milan would be willing to sell because I did a story a couple of weeks ago because they don't want to lose him for free they already lost Dunaruma they lost another player on a free transfer and right now they're like two or three million euros apart on like contract demands like Kessier wants like nine nine million euros annually somewhere, somewhere around that ballpark and like Milan is only willing to go like six and a half so they're like way apart on negotiations and I, I don't think they want to lose another player on a free transfer so that's why might they might consider selling him just to not lose him on free?
2: Pull okay. the trigger, pull yeah. Pull the trigger. the trigger, Eddie. Do you know just from you know your your research and what you've written, are PSG in the in the race for for and, and if so, you know, are we in pull position, or you know, is it looking like a, another team could could swoop in and? and no, see I think as they're as
0: in, they're in the room because uh, Leonardo has that connection with him at at when he was at Milan. So there's that connection right there. He that's one of the reasons why he got Donnarumma. Uh, apart from having that Rayola connection, he was there. So I'm feeling like he's, he's, he's trying to coach uh, as much talent out of Milan uh, because how sour it went there, too. Uh, but yeah, for Kese, I, I've only seen like Tottenham um, because, you know, they got Conte. Conte, Conte loves Serie A talent. Um, not a lot. I don't, I don't, I don't recall any other, uh, you know, clubs that can probably meet like the, the financial demands that he wants. Um, because, yeah, he re- I think he wants, like, a salary around $9 million annually. Uh, and, and PSG can probably meet that. So, like, that's one of the sticking points. That's why they haven't already, you know, reached a contract extension because his, his deal is up in, in June. So, like, Milan just doesn't want to lose another play on a free transfer uh, and get nothing in return because they already went through that last window. So, like, it, it's going to be up to them. If, they, if The only reason that they might keep him is, is because they want to just try to win the league. Uh, but if they don't want to lose another player on a free transfer, then then they they're probably uh, open to talks, depending on what goes their way. But yeah, it's you know they're they're two and a half three million euros apart on on in, in salary, so that's the only reason why they they'd be considered you know opening to to selling him this January window. So if, if they can't reach a contract extension, then then they'll likely open to to selling him. Interesting. And
1: we, I, I don't think we would, and I I don't think we would like blow a bag on him either, because I think like
2: ten mil ten. Million.
1: 10 I was thinking thirty around thirty four years. Like I feel like like that's as high as I would go, and I, you know you wouldn't you wouldn't be you know exactly spending an, an absurd amount of money, especially during the January transfer window. So it's, I think it's possible. What Eddie's saying, and then just like the contract situation like if, if it's possible that's something they should definitely pull the trigger on
2: yeah maybe 30 maybe i was maybe I was, I was i was walling out it says his uh his market value right now is at least transfer market has it at 60 mil but i mean listen if they're gonna lose him on a free especially we know what the syriac clubs are dealing with financially the lack of funds they lost on a room on a free the fan base like Eddie said would probably, you know, go into an upheaval if they lose, you know, Frank on a free, if they can't, you know, come to an agreement. But, you know, if you could just open up with 10 mil and just see what they say, or listen, if they have the 30, then spend the 30, right. Or even do a player swap of of some sort um, to, to reduce that fee. See if at at that point, maybe even, right. Maybe that's why the PSG are hypothetically open to, you know, taking a loan offer for, for to get some of that, um, to get some of that salary off the books to allow another team to play it or pay it. So I'd be interested. I, I like the profile, you know, it, it gets us some youth in our, in our midfield. I'm definitely not opposed to that. I think, um, I think he's a good player. I, I'll be honest. I, I've watched him a handful of times. I haven't done probably as much, you know, viewing of, of his games as, as John has. So I'll definitely defer to him, but you know, I, I trust and respect John's, you know, evaluation of players. So listen, it it can't be worse than what we have right at the end of the day. Um, we don't really have that many options. So midfield has to be addressed, got to kill some of the dead wood, um, get some of these people making absorbent salaries, um, you know, off the books and uh, yeah, start, you know, bringing individuals in that are just younger more youthful and, you know, fit what we need. Right. And in order to, to have this team be successful. So awesome. Um, I, will, I have one more question for you guys. Uh, one thing we, we want to try and do is, and we'll make this quick. I know we got to get out of here. So, you know, literally one or two sentences on this. Um, one of our listeners actually sent a question in and he wanted to know what our thoughts were on the UEFA um, removing the away goals rule as we, as we enter the, the round of 16. Um, and basically, you know, I have a certain view on this. Um, you know, with PSG, he mentioned going last year to Germany and Barcelona and and winning. Um, you know, is, does the away rule you know have as as much effect as it used to? Um, I don't think it does, but I will put an asterisk next to those those results and remind people that you know with COVID those stadiums were empty, right? So we didn't have to really go there and um, and face a true hostile environment. But real quick, um, you know, Eddie, starting with you, what are your thoughts on the away? goal rule being removed for this upcoming knockout stages and what effect do you think that that will have on not only PSG but the competition in general?
0: Uh, So I started to see this rule in like Latin American soccer because usually they follow whatever Europe does so like a lot of the competitions have uh, taken out that away goal rule and it I mean it, it, it obviously all depends on the type of team that's playing but it does make it it, there, there is room for like teams to play like sloppy. We're going to muddy it up and we're just trying to get either ones, you know, we're trying to limit how much damage you can, you know, you can do to us. So it, it all depends on the team that, that that's playing. Uh, but it does open up the, the, the opportunity for teams to just try to muddy it up and and try to get a favorable result on the road. So, I mean, it is what it is. I'm, I'm OK with it. No big deal for me. But like I said, it does open it up for, for teams to try to to try to just uh, you know try to survive while you know they're playing against the Bayern Munich team or or whoever. Uh, you know, so I mean it is what it is. I'm okay with that. No big deal on my on my part.
3: Yeah, I, I agree. I think it it's something that is, you know, kind of fundamental, if you will, to to football um in a way that maybe other sports won't really understand uh and it does present a bit of of drama at times uh just given how the structure of the two legs can be set up but you know i I think it sometimes it gets confusing as a fan you're like okay so we need how many goals in order to go forward It, it gets like really weird but i don't think that it will overall impact the sport in any way uh but we'll see i don't really have an opinion on it i think if they want to get rid of the away goals rule that that's totally fine um i don't know that it will it will you know decide a quarterfinal in a way where it's like well if we had the away goals rule then this team would be going forward it's like once you get close to the end, it like the best teams usually just like up here. It's not an accident. And that's one of the things that I really love about this sport is that the, the champion at the end is usually supposed to be the champion. And it's it's more along the lines of do we want to start to like modernize some of the rules and throw out some of these sort of antiquated things and, you know, improve the quality of the sport overall and maybe this is one of the ways that you do it. So I don't really have an opinion on it. Outside of that, I think it's cool if you want to go ahead and remove the away goals rule. Hopefully hopefully we still go to through to the to the next round. That's only my concern.
1: Yeah, I think they're they're like a couple years late on doing this. This should have happened a long time ago because if you think about it's an away goal you're 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 the what you're insinuating is that it's quote unquote tougher to score a, a goal when you're not home. So when you do do that, you get rewarded, you know, for in, in whatever scenario. So, but no, I think that it, you know, teams can't hide anymore. You can't hide on the, Oh, we're going to park the bus in the first leg. And, or we're going to try to protect the goal in the second leg. Nah, ain't none of that. It, it's, it's straight up. And I I think it's going to bring, the, I think the drama is going to be there. And I think it's even going to be there, even to a, to a higher degree because you're you're playing straight up matches. There's no this and that. Oh, you got to do mathematics and all this other stuff. Like, nah, it, teams can no longer hide, and you got to play everybody straight up. And and to be quite honest, I thought it was unfair to you know depending on who you ask. If you're a Liverpool fan, if you're a Barca fan, or whoever, the later it gets into the round, and you're saying, oh, because we were tied, but they scored their away goal, that's why they go through. Like, nah. So, yeah, they, they should have been got rid of that. So, we'll, I can't wait to see how it plays out. We might be on the wrong end of it, just go around, whatever. But I like the fact that equal opportunity smoke for everybody.
2: Yeah, I'm kind of – I'm indifferent about it, but I do like the away-go rule. I, I just think it it makes the Champions League unique. Uh, it's a unique rule. It's a unique competition. Um, I think when you think of European nights, you think of champions league. I think this is a rule, which I'm okay with, right. Because I'm a fan of a big team. I think this is a rule that is being removed in order to further protect the big clubs to make the, that odd, you know, blip in the schedule or that odd result less likely it's, you know, an opportunity for a Manchester city PSG Chelsea to if it's tied we go to extra time right to give the better team um, more time to get the result that the percentages show should be there now will there still be the the odd shock yeah there probably will be the odd team that goes an extra you know two halves and is able to get a result or takes it to PKs and you know shocks the world so those moments will still be shocking but I think we'll see less of them which kind of sad, right? I think, you know, you look back to Ajax versus Real Madrid, Spurs versus um, Man City, um, Leon versus Man City, um, just some of these odd results, even, you know, and again, right, we've been on both sides. You look at the result with, you know, Bayern Munich last year, it was an away goals rule. We won on away goals right? Do we win that match if the away goals rule is abolished, if we have to play for another, uh, you know, 20, 30 minutes, maybe not the way that we were, we were looking that day. Um, you know, so I think the away goals rule, oh, I was going to say, you know, was a six one against Barcelona was, did they advance on the away goals? Cause they scored all those goals at home, right? We scored our goals at home. They scored theirs at home. So I, I don't think the, the away goal rule, you know, affected that match, but, but yeah, listen, um, I'm not like devastated that it's, it's being removed. I think that it's uh you know, an addition or a modification to protect the big clubs uh, to remove that odd result and the better team should progress. Um, but I do think the away goal rule kind of added a bit of excitement, you know, just cause you, you never kn- knew what was going to happen. Um, you know, but, uh, but yeah, you know, we, we've been on both sides, so I, I'm not too, too upset about it, you know, so we'll see how it affects us. Hopefully it affects us in in a good way, um, not a negative way, but I do think it's a bit of history. And I do understand, you know, where you guys are coming from. I don't think the away goal rule is as effective as it it was in the past due to the fact of teams had to travel more, you know, going away to a team on a plane or a bus in Europe, not being able to take first class flights in these super comfortable planes, teams aren't as tired and exhausted right when, when they go away um, teams you know do park the bus but I do think there are teams like PSG like Liverpool like Man City that we're not afraid to go away and we're not going to park the bus we're going to play attacking football no matter where we go so I think that you know when that rule was created it was you know allowed teams to go away and park the bus, which I I don't think you have many teams that play that way. You know, football has advanced so much that you have a lot of high lines, um, free flowing, fast paced football. And a lot of the top teams do play that way. And I don't see them, you know, maybe Chelsea is a team that, you know, not the fans, but maybe when you look when Tuchel looked at tactically, uh, he's someone who has the ability and it's in his DNA to maybe play a more defensive setup where he would benefit from something like this um, or that rule being in place versus now he's going to be encouraged to go away and, and kind of open it up a little bit, which, which is exciting as well. So yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of my take on it. Um, I think we all kind of, you know, fall in the same, the same category. So not, uh, not super excited, not super bummed out. You know, either way, I do think uh, that we will lose that odd special result, but it is what it is. So, and maybe it'll be even more impressive, right, when a team does, you know, put in the the extra shift and maybe goes to PKs or or scores scores an extra goal or two, you know, in extra time in order to see their team through. So awesome i'm not
1: gonna lie i'm not gonna lie it ruined me on fifa and career mode because i didn't know they updated (laughs) on the new fifa so i'm thinking i got the way oh no i didn't
2: even know that noted yeah yeah
1: yeah ruined me
2: perfect perfect well fellas another successful pod man like like always you know a pleasure linking up with you guys Eddie, nothing but, but love, man. Great to get you back in the fold. Look forward to, to getting you on here with us more. Always great to, to have someone that can keep us on our toes. A couple of times already, I saw that you, you know, provided some, some vital information that we didn't have. Um, so love having you here, man. Um, I think that's it for us. So I'll let, you know, each of us go through, give, you know, the contact where individuals can follow you, um, you know, interact with you and you know before kind of closing shop here so eddie why don't you tell the people man where they can support you where they can you know get your tweets and um interact with you a little bit
0: yeah um follow me on twitter on i think it's underscore eddie razo um most importantly just like follow PSG talk check out the website that's that's how i get paid <laughs> that's my that's my job there's like just uh follow, follow all that stuff check out the articles lots of messy content. That's what drives our our website over the last couple of months. Uh, October was like the best month we've ever had, like over a million uh, page views, clicks, whatever you want to call it. Uh, so it's, yeah. So like, you know, mostly everybody just go to the website, check all that stuff out. Um, any stuff in English, all the way, you know, I usually stay on my toes when it comes to reading all the PhD stuff and writing the articles in English. So yeah, check that out. Um, and, you know, check out my other job at uh, NBC Sports Washington. Uh, I have a link in my in my Twitter account that has all the articles and stuff that we work on. So, yeah, check out PSG Talk. Uh, support uh, support us there.
2: hundred percent percent. Make sure you go follow Eddie, support him. Man. And like he said, follow PSG Talk. And then, uh, John, what about you Man, working people? Uh, people can't interact with you on Twitter no more.
1: Yeah, I was about to say I kinda <laughs> I don't have anything to plug, but other than yeah, just listen out for uh for me on, on, on these podcasts pretty much on the PST talking podcast. And you know, I might my might I might uh dip into some uh getting back into some writing about some, some soccer stuff here. So other than that, yeah, I'm I'm I actually like the the the, the piece of not being on Twitter and, and, and all that stuff. It's it's been kinda nice. I'm not really hounding Twitter to give me my profile back right now, so <laughs> so like I'm I'm kind of good with that. But yeah, man, just check us out, man, here on PSG Talk. So and this is where you'll pretty much be hearing hearing from me, uh,
2: in the in the now and near future. Perfect, perfect. I believe James, I believe you're not on socials either. But correct me if I'm wrong.
3: Yeah, it must be something in the air, man. I uh, yeah, I'm definitely taking a break. I mean, it's still active. It's underscore JCJ just leave a message there. I'll get back to y'all probably in the new year. Might uh get back into the Twitter thing, but just taking a taking a mental break, man, you know. Much like John said, it feels good. But uh definitely glad to be here uh hanging out with the
2: fellas and yeah, another uh successful show. I feel you man. I feel you. It's definitely disconnecting is definitely definitely necessary. Make sure you guys everyone should disconnect for a little bit, you know, from social media and stuff like that and and reset. But me personally, um, my personal Twitter is at Ty Pound Sign on Twitter. Some of you may follow me already, Um, but I did create one that is just more PSG focused. Um, You know, that's at 24th and Park. And that is um, something that obviously, you know, at some point, one point, maybe that'll be shared with Uh, the rest of the guys that was you know a twitter handle that was created for the revival of 24th and park we're actually blessed today to to have the two founders you know on the show for 24th and park so um basically if you want to just follow nothing but just psg related stuff you can follow 24th and park Uh, you'll find me maybe one day john will jump on there uh, and interact as well but with that being said thank you for stopping by make sure to share some feedback uh Stay well, be safe, happy holidays, and peace out till next time.